Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. So we are in this series called Fresh Start. It's about revisiting the past for a better future. And we've been looking at stories in the Bible that teach us the principles and how to accomplish that in our own lives. I know that all of us want a fresh start. And as we start a new season, we often look at this season as a new beginning. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we are less than 100 days to the end of the year. We find ourselves in a time and in a season where if you wanted to push a reset button, if you wanted to truly start fresh, if you wanted to start again, this would be the time in which we could do it on the basis of just the calendar alone. I think that when we think of the fall, we think of things coming to an end and, and new things about to begin. And, and of course, for us, we have mixed feelings because we love summer so much. It's so short. It's too short for us in, in this part of the world. And in many ways, we would want an endless summer. But when we think of things coming to an end, I think we would love to always choose that, to have that kind of power and control over that. And we don't always. There's some amazing things that happen in our lives and happen uh, to us, and we are a part of those amazing moments, even in the lives of others, that we wish we had the ability to just keep reliving. And then there are times when we just want things to come to an abrupt end. We want to turn the page. We want to even forget the memory of it altogether. We don't ever want others to bring it up because it is just way too painful for one reason or another. We just need a fresh start. We sometimes walk away from places of employment. We walk away from our apartments in our neighborhoods. We walk away from cities. We even walk away from our lives with relationships in the same way because we believe that if we could do that, then we could get that fresh start. And sometimes the past has this way of just following us into whatever it is that we are getting into next because we didn't deal with it. We tried to run from it, but we didn't realize that it was still running after us too. That as we were running, it was chasing us and not leaving us alone. And sometimes we look at that and we think to ourselves, well, that's, Gus, that's just the devil. That's just, that's just Satan coming after us. And, and then we could say, yeah, sure, anything that is dark, anything that is evil, anything that is um, out to, to steal, kill, or destroy, we can say that that's in his camp, that's in his category. That's definitely, he's definitely the source. He's definitely behind that. But we also have to think of consequences like, our actions and, and what those mean, the ramifications of that. And, and today I want to speak to you about this really interesting word. It's called repercussions. And when we look at repercussions in the scriptures, there's a lot of stories about them. But things that are, that are done 
um, by individuals, and then there is a consequence that tends to follow. And when we change our course of life and when we go in a new direction, when we make a new choice, when we decide to follow Jesus and, and we begin to walk in the light and we leave the darkness and the paths of darkness behind, we sometimes come to realize real quick that there are repercussions. There are things that are still following us into the changes that we've made. And in those moments, I want you to understand that it isn't that God is absent. It doesn't mean that Jesus hasn't given you a new life and a fresh start. It doesn't mean that he isn't prepared even in those moments where the past is still in many ways, if I could use the word, haunting us that we would understand that God in those moments is still able to show His miraculous works, to free us in those moments, to deliver us in those moments, to reveal His faithfulness in those moments, to work in our character in those moments so that our capacity could be increased, so that we would then understand what it truly looks like to live the life of a champion. And so the story that I want to share with you is a story that gave me a newfound understanding as I was praying and asking God for, for insights into, into people who had in many ways escaped the repercussions. And, and, and interestingly enough, I'd never truly seen this in this passage before. And, and I wonder if you may have the same reaction today. And so I want us to look at reading it together. It's found in John chapter 18, and it's the arrest of Jesus and the betrayal of Judas. But there's a story in this that I think is often overlooked, and, and, and I believe that today it's going to speak to us in a newfound way. And it says that Jesus had spoken these words, and then he went away with his disciples across the ravine of the Kidron where there was a garden when he entered it with his disciples. And now Judas, who was betraying him, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. And so Judas, having obtained the Roman cohort and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, they came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. And then Jesus, therefore, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, came out into the open and said to them, Who are you seeking? And then they answered him, Jesus the Nazarene, he told them, I am he. And then Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. And now then, when he had said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. And he then asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are seeking me, then let these men go on their way. And this took place that the word which he spoke would be fulfilled. And of those whom you have given me, I lost not one. 
And then Simon Peter, since he had a sword, drew it and he struck the high priest's slave and he cut off his right ear and the slave's name was Malchus. And so Jesus said to Peter, put the sword into the sheath because the cup which the father has given me, am I not to drink it? I want us to look at this particular verse. It's found in verse 4. It's John 18, 4. And I want you to pay attention to this particular passage because it's really key into what we are talking about today in terms of repercussions. It says that Jesus, therefore, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, he came out into the open and said to them, whom are you seeking? Now, he knows that they're coming for him, and he knows that they're also coming to arrest him, but they're also coming in great numbers. They've come already with soldiers and weapons, and the intention that we understand is that they're anticipating a fight. They're imagining that Jesus is not going to go quietly and that his disciples are going to fight for him. They're going to do whatever they can to make sure that Jesus is not arrested. And so everyone comes prepared. And Judas is the one who is guiding them to the very place where he knows Jesus would be in a moment such as this. And so Judas is there and the high priest is there and his entourage is with him and we have the Roman soldiers and then we have the temple guards and they're all there with one intention and that is to arrest Jesus. But they're also prepared for more than that. They're prepared for a fight. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we go into situations and we're anguished. We are distraught. We are dealing with a lot. And we are overwhelmed. We're overcome. And I want you to imagine that in this moment, Jesus is all of those things. We know that he has been praying to the Father that a new way would somehow be presented so that he would not have to go to the cross. And he knows that they're coming, and he's prepared for that in a way, but is also asking God, is there another way? And in this moment in which Jesus is in his humanity suffering, it is going to be something that is coming not just for him, but he knows it's also coming for his disciples. And so in this time and in this season in which he is in, he is at a low point in his life. And I want you to imagine that when you are at your low point, that is when you can expect the enemy to arm itself and come and visit you. I want you to imagine that that is when the betrayer in your life is going to show up. I want you to know that this plan, this scheme has been repeated for centuries. That when you are at your lowest, that is when the enemy arms himself like never before and comes for you. That is when one of your own is going to rise up and come against you and betray you. And so if we know this, if God reveals this, then we can be better prepared for the repercussions. Because in a moment where Jesus 
should not have been in control in a moment where he should have lost his power, where he should have been seen as powerless, in a moment in which he should not have been able to keep it together, he does like never before. And what I love about what Jesus does is that he stands up and goes out and in the midst of them, he stands between us and the repercussions that are coming. Now they are coming there for everyone and that's why Jesus says, who are you here for? And they have to say, we are here for you. We're here for Jesus of Nazarene. We're here for you. And so Jesus says, I am he. I'm here. And I want you to imagine that when Satan comes for you, can you picture, can you imagine Jesus meeting the enemy? Whoever is armed, whoever has come to come and get you, at your lowest, at your worst, in the moment in which you feel the weakest, can you picture Jesus coming out and meeting that enemy and saying, who are you here for? And understanding that Jesus is there to come between you and the enemy that is there for you. Can we say amen to that? Jesus is there to intercept. He's there to make sure that they do not touch you. He's saying it's okay if you touch me, but it's not okay if you touch him. It's not okay if you touch her. It's not okay if you touch my son and my daughter. You can come for me, but you're not allowed to come for them. Can we say amen to that? You cannot touch them. That's what Jesus does in this moment. And, and I want us to look at this definition of what the word repercussion means. It, it means an unintended consequence that is occurring sometime after an event or action, and it's especially an unwelcomed one. The repercussion is something that we know has a negative consequence. And, and the negative consequence in this situation is that while they're coming for Jesus, they're all at risk. They're all in danger. And I want you to understand this, and it's very important. I know that no one maybe talks about this enough, but because you made a decision to follow Jesus, you are every day in danger. Every day that you have decided to follow Jesus, the enemy wants you. He wants to come after you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything that has to do with you. Anything that he wants to give you, anything that he has promised you, anything that he sees that you are moving towards, his intention is to make sure that you never get that, you never experience that, you never live that, that the fulfillment of those promises are never, ever realized in your life. And so what Jesus does is that he teaches us that we don't need to be afraid of this. That we don't have to be worried about this. Because every time the enemy arms itself and the betrayers come, that Jesus goes out to meet them and says, who are you looking for? Who is it that you want? And then gives them the answer, I am he. I am the one you want. 
So you see, because we belong to Jesus, and because Satan hates Jesus and wants to destroy him and can't, he's going to go after his followers. You understand what I'm saying? Because he cannot defeat Jesus, because he's already lost that fight over and over again, he comes after the ones that he thinks he can fight and beat and win. Except that the followers who understand these principles can put them into place and say, when the enemy is there, Jesus, you go and you fight for me. Jesus, you present yourself. And that's what Jesus does. When he says the words, I am he, what happens? They all fall back to the ground. Can we say amen to that? They cannot even stand before his words. Do you understand what's happening in the story? Even Jesus speaking is more powerful than Jesus acting. Than taking an action. Jesus, just saying the words is more powerful than anything that we could ever say. Jesus just saying, I am he, the enemy falls to the ground. And so you need to understand that when you go out every day of your life, Jesus representing you in the same way that you represent Jesus, Jesus has got you covered. Everywhere you go, you bring him with you. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, Jesus is fully with you. And so Jesus always stands between us and the repercussions. I want you to see another verse here in the story, John 18, 8. Jesus answers, and I told you that I am he. And then he says, if you are seeking me, look at this, then let these men go on their way. And in this moment, we see that what Jesus does is that he stands between us, but he also does something else. He takes our place. Jesus takes our place. Now, in, those, in that moment, they could have been arrested. He knows they're there to arrest him. Remember, Jesus doesn't just uh, say anything without intent and without purpose. He already knows what's in their heart. He knows that they're not just there for him, right? Because if he knew that they were just there for him and they were going to go, then that would have been the end of it. But he has to say in the verse 8, I told you that I am he. He has to repeat it twice. Because you can see that the intention that they have come with has not changed. They're still coming for his disciples. Do you get it? They're not just there to get rid of Jesus. They're there to get rid of the twelve. Because if they can kill all 13 of them, Judas included, don't think he gets away with it. If they all die, then the movement dies with them. Satan knows this. Satan is a strategist. And he knows that no one can escape. No one can get away. And so when Jesus comes and stands between them, he also makes the point that he's going to take their place. And he's going to say, I'm going to make sure that whatever the repercussions are, they cannot fall on you. They will only fall on me. Jesus takes it all upon himself. Everything. 
And then I think that when we think of this moment, we need to think of it in a much larger context. I think we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and taking our place. And we talk about the consequences of sin as being the penalty of death and how Jesus took that death and how he overcame it, overcame the grave, overcame Satan in the process and gave us all the victory over those things, not just in this life, but in the life to come. But there's something that is too future oriented for all of that, that sometimes doesn't feel real enough in my everyday. And I, I know that my everyday impacts my future, and I know that those things being real today speak to me in a way that tells me I have a future, but there's something sometimes missing from understanding what it is that Jesus is actually doing in this story. And that's why in verse 9, it says that this took place so that the word which he spoke would be fulfilled of those whom you have given me, I have not lost, not even one. Jesus says that he's fulfilling in this moment a prophecy that had been given to the Messiah. In this moment, Jesus is saying that he is laying down his life so that his disciples get to live. In this moment, we see that Jesus is saying that while they come for you, they cannot touch you. While they come to arrest you and kill you and even try to steal or destroy you, they cannot do it because I will come between them and you. And I will stand there. And more importantly, I will take that place. A place that you would ultimately have to take, but I take it in your stead. I go and take it upon myself. And so in that moment, we think, well, what does that look like in my everyday? I don't know about you, but there've been moments in my life where I've done some pretty stupid stuff. Anybody else? where the consequences could have been really devastating. Now, not just for me, but for other people. And I've often wondered, God, like, how did I get away with this? And at first I thought when it happened that I was just like too sly, you know, I was like too, like, too astute and too aware, too awake. Like I was like, you know, a person who had thought about all the contingencies and I had gotten away with it. I had a perfect plan and, and, and I, got, I, got, I got to do what I wanted to do. And then I realized that what God was doing was that he was protecting me from the repercussions. The things that I got away with, he only let me get away with it because he knew the impact that it would have in my life later on. He knew that if he covered me with love and with grace and with mercy and compassion in this moment, that it would save me and preserve me from greater consequences and repercussions that I could not get up from. There were things that happened in my life, like I'm sure happened in yours, that when you look back, you say, surely God was there in this moment. He kept me and preserved me. He made it so it would look like I would get away with it, but it wasn't me getting away with it. It was God protecting me from the repercussions. 
And I believe that God allows certain things to happen and he covers those things, even in their imperfect ways. And we think, well, how could a God that is supposed to be just allow for things that are unjust to happen? Because God sees the whole story and he sees the redemption that will happen in our lives in a way that we cannot fully comprehend in the moment. And while it looks like we're getting away with darkness, God knows that our path is always leading us towards his light and when we get there we will look back and we will renounce that darkness we will repent of that darkness we will ask for forgiveness of that darkness we will confess that darkness we will speak of that darkness and we will speak instead of how the light has saved us and how Jesus is that light and how he has lifted the consequences and the repercussions of what has happened And you see, like, how are you getting to all of this? How are you making this statement that Jesus would actually protect us from the repercussions? Because Jesus says that his role is not to lose any of us. His purpose is that we would all be saved, that not one of us would be lost. You think there wasn't someone in that 12 who deserved to be lost? Well, we would immediately go to Judas but we would lose sight of someone else. We would lose sight of Peter. And the Bible says that Peter took out his sword and he cut off the ear of the high priest. Now remember, they're already there to arrest them all. And now Peter has given him the reason. Jesus had just said, you're here for me, take me. And saved everybody. And then Peter goes and screws it all up. Does that sound familiar with anybody else? How many times have I messed up God's plan? God is like, I I got you. Dude, I already saved you. I already took away the consequences. The repercussions are already gone. I already took your place. And then you go and do this? Right? I have done that over and over and over again. And and then Jesus is like, no, Peter, put that back. Put away that sword. What are you doing? Dude, I just saved you all. And now you put everybody at risk again. Now they have a reason to arrest you. Don't you understand, Peter? It's not going to be... Two thieves on either side of me. It's going to be one of you guys. There isn't going to be three crosses. There's going to be 11 plus one for me. Don't you understand what's happening here? They're coming to take us all out. And you are playing right into the enemy's plans. And I think over and over again, God, how many times have I just surrendered to the enemy's plan? Instead of letting you still stand in the gap and take the repercussions. When I have acted in my own strength, thinking I'm saving the day. Jesus needs me to save him. And in reality, I was just making things worse. Can you guys relate with that? Look at what it says in Luke twenty-two fifty-one. And this is why this is a story of Jesus taking away the repercussions, is that Jesus responds and said, stop, no more of this. 
And then he does something. He touches his ear and he heals him. He basically reattaches it. Now, I want you to think of this for a moment because you've probably heard this story and probably know, but you've probably never quite seen it like this. When Jesus heals the servant's ear, it's like the crime never happened. It's like it never took place. Where's the proof? If you say that Peter struck the servant and cut off his ear, and the guy's gushing blood from one side of his head, then where's the proof? When his ear has been reattached. Can we say amen to that? He just heals him, takes it away. Just takes it away. Now, in that moment, you would think the high priest, the Roman soldiers, the temple guards, everybody would have just fallen on their knees and just said, whoa, like, we're trying to arrest someone who heals people after they've just been maimed. You think that would have been enough, and it isn't. No one changes, and I'll tell you why. Because they already belong to the evil one. They already made their choice. They already know which side of the garden they're standing on. And so when Jesus heals the servant, he erases the repercussions for Peter and for all the disciples. Can we say amen to that? Come on. He just took it away. Something that would have sent them all to jail as a minimum. That would have imprisoned them all. But ultimately, their plan was to kill them. Jesus does it so that None of that happens. And the only one they take is him. And Jesus heals so that there are no repercussions. And I want you to think of how we've done things that Jesus needs to heal. And I want you to think of how people have done things where we need healing. Where in the story, we could maybe be Malchus or we could be Peter, but in both cases, there are repercussions and we need Jesus to intervene. And what Jesus does is that he intervenes for Malchus and he intervenes for Peter. And that's what Jesus could do in our lives. So whatever we need, Jesus can heal and he can remove those repercussions. Are you ready to receive that in your life? Because in this story, we see a Jesus who keeps standing in the gap. We see a Jesus who's there for us. We see a Jesus who is able to heal and to deliver and to take away and to make whole. We see a Jesus who is able to heal every repercussion. And so right now, I don't know what the scars are in your mind and in your heart and in your life. I don't know what things God needs to heal in your past so that you can have a greater future. But I know that Jesus is ready right now to do all of that for you. So stop playing into the enemy's hands and start playing for only the winning side. And that's Jesus. Start living your life only for him. And yeah, it's tough. People are going to come for you. Yeah, it's tough. Darkness will try to take you out. Yeah, it's tough. You're going to mess it up. You're going to try to do it in your own strength.
But Jesus keeps healing from all repercussions. That's what he does. And he's ready to do that right now. You ready to receive that? Would you stand with me as we close in a word of prayer? I pray that that blesses you guys and encourages you in your spiritual journey. And so, Father, we come before you in need of that healing. And you know what part of our lives need it most. And whether it's stuff we've done or whether it's stuff that's been done to us, Lord, you know where to reach, what to do. You know how to make that whole. Malchus didn't ask to be healed. You just healed him. Peter thought he was doing the, wrong, the right thing, but he was doing the wrong thing. And you saved him. And you took the repercussions. You took them upon yourself. And you're doing that right now. You remind us that you went to the cross and that by your stripes we were all healed. That by the scars that you have endured and by what you accomplished that we are all set free. And so today, Lord, we come before you and we ask you for that fresh start. Would you take away the repercussions, Lord? Would you heal us from them? Would you stand in the gap for us? Would you take them upon yourself and set us free so that we can fulfill the plan and the purpose that you have for us? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.